If you're going to stay in here with us, we are in Luke chapter 12. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles there to Luke chapter 12, and we'll be starting in verse 13. Um, if you were to ask, we took a little poll this morning, or you took a poll wherever you go, what causes stress in your life? Uh, there's a number of top answers that people would give, what causes anxiety in your life, and one of those top answers would be money, right? That would be common to most people. Uh, we have all either experienced that as part of our life at some point, and if you haven't yet, the day is coming, um, but every single one of us, for almost to a person, experiences anxiety. Now, the the crazy thing is, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or you have no money, somehow money still causes anxiety, right? Uh, as they say, mo money, mo problems. I don't know. I've heard Gary Litton say that before. Uh, there's problems that come with having too much money. And there's problems with having no money, right? Because we're worried, can we pay the bill? Can I go to the doctor, right? And anxiety wells up in our hearts. Even right now, you're thinking about your own bank account. <laughs> you're thinking about your own problems and your own, oh, man, oh, I need to pay that. Or, oh, I don't want to pay that, right? And every single one of us uh, deal with this. Now, today, Jesus is going to teach on money. And he connects the issue of money, possessions, with anxiety. And I don't think that that was in, unintentional. I think there is a reason that Jesus talks about them side by side. Because both how we deal with, relate to, have, don't have money, and how we deal with, relate to, don't have, don't have anxiety are both issues of the heart. And they're both issues of faith. And so we're going to learn today from Jesus about these things. Let's look. Let's read. Uh, Luke 12, starting in verse 13. We'll read all the way to 34. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds?' 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as a small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me pray. God, I I pray this morning, God, as we talk about um, what it's like in this world to have possessions and to have money, God, I pray that you would help us uh, not to idolize that, not to think that our life consists in the abundance of possessions or that life is found in the abundance of possessions. God, may we be a people, and, and I've seen it so many times, that, that are rich toward God, that seek your kingdom when it comes to matters of money and matters of the heart. God, I pray that our worries and our anxieties would be about uh, eternal things, not earthly things, God. God, I pray that you would just give us wisdom in all these matters, God. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, So let's just take it one verse at a time. Let's look at verse 13. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who has made me a judge or arbitrator over you? So someone in the crowd of people calls out, And what a strange request. Uh, I think this young man, or old man, or whoever he was, was anxious. He was worried about what? About getting his money. About getting his portion. He felt that things were unfair in how his father's estate was being settled. He didn't feel that he was being treated fairly. Uh, Now, I don't know all their laws and all the details of how they were to divide the inheritance and what was culturally appropriate and all that. But it seems as if this man has a complaint and he brings it to Jesus because he's worried about it. And he's trying to get Jesus to get him his money. And what does Jesus say? Who made me your judge? Who made me your arbitrator? So Jesus says, you you have judges. You have people that can settle these disputes. So he's basically saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you what should or shouldn't be done. Now, I don't know, this is true of Jesus all the time. He doesn't always give us every little detail of how we should live our life. He he doesn't lay it out in... in, Uh, you should give your inheritance like this. He doesn't detail it down to the T. What does Jesus do? He gives us principles. 
He gives us overarching truths. And sometimes that's frustrating. Can I just be honest with you? Because sometimes we want to come to this and go, okay, do we buy this or not? <laughs> do we sell this or not? Where is that in the Bible? And we don't have that. But what does Jesus give us? He gives us principles that are true to every person, to this man in the crowd, to you sitting in the pew, to me, to everyone, to the rich, to the poor. All right, this is how he works. And he gives us these truths, overarching truths in Scripture. And then he also gives us what? The Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to convict us. And he gives us what? Each other to help us in matters of wisdom, right? So he says to him, look at verse 15, and he starts to lay out the principles. Verse 15, he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He tells us to take care, to be on guard. Why? Because there is a temptation. There is an enemy that is looking for an inroad to our hearts. And one of those inroads to our hearts is money. And he's going to deal with anxiety here in a minute. So he says, take care. Be on guard because you are vulnerable here when it comes to money and possessions. Now, what are we to be on guard against? It's not money. It's not possessions. What are we to be on guard against? What does he say? Against all covetousness. To covet means to have excessive desire for something, to have excessive over-the-top desire for money or possessions, or to have excessive desire for what someone else has, comparing what we have to them and saying, man, if only I could have that. That's what it means to covet. It's not a desire to have money to pay your bills and eat. That is not covetousness. Covetousness is an unhealthy longing for more than we need. An unhealthy longing for what others have that we want. And what covetousness, it's a hard word for me to say this week, covetousness, uh, what it reveals is something in our heart. It reveals that we don't really trust that God is our provider. It reveals that we don't think that God is fair. It reveals that we're not really content with what God has given us. And so covetousness is something we have to be on guard against because it's an inroad to our heart. And it's an inroad to our faith. So there's one principle. Be on guard against covetousness. And why? What does he say? For life does not consist, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If you've ever played the game of life, what is the point of that game? Abundance of possessions, right? The goal is to win the game by having the most stuff at the end. And that is how most of the world views money and possessions. And as is often the case, Jesus has a totally different perspective than the world. And the truth that Jesus makes clear is that our life is not to be primarily about what? The accumulation of stuff. It's not about accumulating more and more. It's not about having more and more money or more and more possessions or more and more anything. Think about it. The one who created life, the one who spoke and gave everything existence, knows what is true life. He says, life is not about this. 
This is not Byron up here saying this because I've lived this life too. This is not some guru out there. This is the one who breathed life into existence and he's saying, no, 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 no. Life is not about the abundance of your possessions. The one who created life is telling us what life is not about. Now, he's not right here telling us what it is about yet. But part of the temptation to accumulating possessions is what Gary said, and I didn't prompt you. It's control. It's control. Because if I have more stuff, then I can control what happens to me. I can control the quality of my life. I can control the kind of people that I'm around. I can control my circumstances. And the problem with that is when we're in control, then we do not rely on God. If we have more than enough, we're so prone to forget those who don't have enough. If we have an abundance, we, we get sheltered from those who do not have enough. And we make life about us and our accumulation and our possession growth. And so Jesus makes this very clear. Be on guard against all covetousness. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. There's two principles. Let's keep going. He tells him a parable to illustrate this further. Verse 16, he says, he told him a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? There's this rich man. And Jesus makes up this story, but we can all picture it. We can all think in these terms. This is a real scenario. And there's this rich man. He's already rich when the story starts. He's already got plenty. Rich means he's got more than enough. He has ample goods. And it says that this rich man's land produces plentifully. Now think about this. This rich man had very little control of that. Why? Because gr crop growth is totally dependent on God, right? We need sunlight, we need rain, we need no pests, we need no termites. And this rich man's land produced plentifully. And he thinks, wow, way to go me. Look at all this stuff I just did. When in reality, he had nothing to do with it. And so he has this very natural worldly thought. I got all this stuff, where am I going to put it? What do I got to do? I got to build bigger barns. I got to build more stuff. I got to expand my empire to hang on to all that I have. So what does he do? He takes his abundance, his excess, and where does he direct it? Fully to himself. All right? This is this rich man's perspective. This is all about me. And he doesn't have to worry now about what's to come. He has enough. He has more than enough. And so he makes these plans that he can relax and eat and drink and be merry. But the only problem in this story is what? This man's time has run out. He's made plans for 10 and 20 and 30 years down the road. And the reality is, is his time is up. 
And all this work that he's put into building bigger barns says it will go to waste. And God asked this question, whose will they be? And it seems that this man has spent his whole life directed towards himself, that there's not even an heir. There's not even somebody around him that's going to inherit this and benefit from it. He has so consumed his life with himself. There's no heritage. He's only built bigger barns. He's never built relationships. And so Jesus makes the point here, verse 21. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, you could read this story and go, man, I can't have a savings account. That's not what Jesus' point is. You could read this and go, oh, I don't want to do good at my job. I don't want to make money because then I got I to gotta do something with it. No, that's not the point of the story. Jesus tells us what the point of the story is, verse 21. So don't apply it that way, all right? I think I spent a lot of early years of my life applying it in wrong ways. Here's the point, verse 21. He says, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The point of this is not don't make money. The point of this is be bad at our jobs, be mediocre so we don't get money. That's not the point. What is the point? Be rich toward God, not yourself. Be rich towards God, not yourself. He says the person that lays up treasure for himself. And we can all think of these people, and maybe it's ourselves, but we can all think of people that have spent their whole life making their treasure, their kingdom about who? Them. Building bigger barns, accumulating for themselves, neglecting everyone else. But Jesus says that's not how my disciples are going to be. My disciples are not going to be laying up treasures for themselves. What are they going to be? They're going to be rich toward God. What a great phrase. He doesn't give all the detail. He doesn't go, hey, here's here's how this works. You've got to have this savings account. You've got to do this and this and this. He doesn't lay it out. He gives us this principle. What? Be rich toward God. It's a great summary teaching of of what God presents as his truth. And there's so much in Scripture about money and possessions and all this. So let me just give you a few high points. We're meant to be selfless, not selfish. We're meant to be givers, not takers. We're meant to be hardworking, not lazy. We're meant to be good stewards, not wasteful. We're meant to be sacrificial, not stingy. We're meant to be kingdom-oriented, not self-oriented. There's so many principles and so much teaching in the New Testament about money. But here's some of those ways that we are to relate to money. We're to give faithfully. The New Testament talks about how we give regularly. We give consistently. Why? So that we consistently remind ourselves that we were given to. We're to give convictionally. We're to decide in our hearts. Paul talks about this. Let each one of you give as he has decided in his heart. And we should give with that sort of conviction. And this is what I'm going to give, and I'm going to be disciplined to it. I'm going to give away this money and be disciplined. We're to, be, we're to give cheerfully. It's never meant to be an obligation. It's never meant to be uh, a duty. It's meant to be what? Cheerful. 
It's meant to be joyful. We're to give generously. That means that we give, that we're ready to share. We, we, we are willing when there's a need to go, hey, here's 20 bucks. Here, here's, here's some money for that need. Hey, here's my time. Here's my talent. I can help with that. We're meant to be generous, willing to give. And we're to give proportionally. Some people God has blessed immensely. And they're going to give immensely. And some people it's the opposite, right? And they're not going to be able to give as much. And Jesus, Jesus makes the point so many times it's not about the amount, right? It's about the heart. The Bible also talks about stewardship when it comes to this. That our possessions we realize as followers of him, we're just managing them for the time being. We're stewards of them. And we use them for the benefit of our family, for the benefit of our church, for the benefit of our community, for the benefit of those in need, for the benefit of everyone, right? We, as stewards of what God has given us, we manage our money on his behalf, not on our own. So I love this phrase, and I'm, I'm going to start using it, being rich toward God. That's what I want to be. I want to grow up, and I want to be rich toward God. I want to grow up and be rich toward God. That I look at my life and my bank account and my time and my energy and my talents and everything that God has given me, and I go, God, how can I, how can I be rich towards you today? How can I use this for your benefit? Let's look at verse 22. Hey, just so you know, we're not taking up an offering at the end of this, okay? Okay? You can, you can breathe, okay? Verse 22. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Jesus gets to the heart of the issue concerning money and possessions. And he gets to the heart of it. And the heart of it is our anxiety. Our, our sense of wanting to, to be in control, to worry, to stress. And he tells us specifically here, do not be anxious about your life. And specifically what we eat and what we wear. And I think those are, those are two very fundamental, basic things, right? What you're going to eat for lunch today, what clothes you put on. Those are really low-level anxieties. But every single one of us is probably worried about them. Why does he tell us we shouldn't be anxious? He gives us another principle. Because life is not what you eat and what you wear. Just as life doesn't consist in the abundance of our possessions, life also is not just about what we eat and what we wear. And both of those things can become a status symbol. Both of those things can become kind of a picture of how much wealth we have to the world, right? Because I'm eating steak, not ramen, or I'm, I'm wearing whatever, Gucci, not uh, Goodwill, right? There it is, GG, okay. Both of these become this outward expression of our wealth or our possessions or our success. And so they're really about so much more than just the externals. 
But Jesus tells us, do not be anxious. Because when we're anxious about these material things, it reveals that our heart is not right. We've missed it. And he tells us, he says, consider the ravens. Anybody ever just stopped and considered the ravens? Anybody? Just spent time thinking about ravens this week. Okay, no one. Well, Jesus tells us to today. He tells us, use your mind. Think about the ravens. They don't run around. They don't work hard. They don't sow. They don't harvest. They don't build barns. Yet, God takes care of them. God takes care of the birds. And he says, how much more value are you than the birds? His point is, if God cares for the birds and he provides for them, he will provide for you. So, hear me. Jesus is not saying by this that we should not work hard. We should work hard and provide for our families. Jesus is not saying that we should all adopt some kind of like gray standard of clothing that we all look the same. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you should all have the same amount of money in your bank account so that there's no difference or comparison. He's not promoting uh, socialism or anything like this. What is he after? He's after our hearts. He's after our trust in him. And these external things, this money, these clothes, this food, it's an expression of our hearts. And he's after us that our hearts and our life should be about his kingdom. Let's keep going, verse 25. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his life? And those of us that are anxious in the room already, think about that and we go, oh, that makes me anxious, right? Oh, that makes me worried. (laughs) But the obvious answer to this is no one. Worry does not bring life. Worry destroys life. Our time is set by the sovereign ruler, the shepherd, the control, the one who is in control. Jesus' point is worry does not lead to life. And he says, if you can't even do that, why be anxious about all the rest? If we can't control one little thing, like one hour to our life, why be anxious about all the rest? He tells us, consider the lilies. How many of you have considered the lilies this week? Anybody? Anybody spent time thinking about the lilies this week? Or the ravens? He tells us to think about the flowers. They neither toil nor spin. They just are. And God arrays them in greater splendor than Solomon, the the richest man in the history of the world who worked harder and went far beyond anything you and I will ever do. And he says if God clothes the grass in this way, if God cares about the flowers, and he does, how much more will he clothe you? And he gets to the heart of this when he says, Oh, you of little faith. See, worry ultimately reveals our lack of faith. 
Worry reveals our lack of faith. Now, I say that and then I pull that back because I don't love blanket statements. But one cause of worry, one cause of anxiety in our life is that we do not trust. We do not believe that God is going to take care of it. And so we think, I've got to control this. But let me remind you today, you are not the creator. You are not the one in control. You are not the one with all power and all might and all knowledge and all wisdom. He is the one in control. And our job is not to try to be in control, but is to believe and trust and rest. Look at verse 29. He says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus makes this point very clear. That our life is not to be primarily about these things. He says when, when, when you make your life about the abundance of possessions, then you spend your whole life seeking those things. Working hard to accumulate a bigger bank account, to build the bigger house, to, to whatever, to build the bigger barns. And Jesus says that our time, our energy, our capacity is not to be consumed with these things. That's not what life is about. That's a life too short-sighted. He says what? Instead, seek his kingdom. We spend our life seeking so many things. Seeking after wealth. Seeking after control. Seeking after comfort. And Jesus makes it very simple and very difficult at the same time. Seek his kingdom. Our aim as followers of Jesus is to what? Be rich towards God. To not be covetous and to seek his kingdom. We will have to eat. We will have to wear clothes. We will have to pay bills. We will have to provide for families and work jobs and all those sorts of things. He says, don't live a life that's just those things. Seek the kingdom. Is a life that you've lived for yourself really worth living? Or is a life lived for the kingdom worth living? Look at verse 33. He tells us, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He tells us, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, let me just be clear. This is not a blanket statement that all of us in this room today should sell our possessions and give to the needy. Because then what would need to happen? The needy, who now have all our possessions, they need to sell and give to the other needy, which is us now, okay? And then what do we have to do if that's the truth? We've got to sell our possessions and give to the needy, right? This is not a blanket statement that he's saying you should, you should just all be poor, or you should just Get rid of everything, don't have, just go live in the desert somewhere. That is not what Jesus is teaching, right? 
He's teaching, though, that our heart should be that we are willing, when there is a need, to give. That this is even further than that because he says that we would be willing to sell some of our possessions to give to those who are in need. When was the last time you sold something of your own so that you could give away the money to somebody else? We might sell something of our own to buy something for ourselves. When was the last time we sold something so that we could meet a need? Jesus is saying not this blanket socialism or this blanket give away everything. That's not the point. He's saying your heart is to be open, to give, to be willing to give, and to even sometimes sacrificially give by selling something so that others' needs might be met. And why is that? Look at verse 33. He says, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. He says that by being rich towards God, by seeking his kingdom, by by giving away more than we, we hold for ourselves, we get something in the end that is of far more value than having a bigger barn or having a bigger bank account. He says, provide yourselves money bags that are not old. They do not fail. They are not stolen. They do not destroy. If we live our lives for just what's right in front of us, it's too short-sighted. This this life is a breath, and it's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. And Jesus tells us, live your life for something far beyond that. Live it for the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And his last statement is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, both how we deal with money and how we deal with anxiety and worry in our life are both heart issues. They're really both heart issues. It's not about the surface. It's not about whether you have a lot or don't have a lot. It's not about any of that. God wants our hearts He wants our faith. He wants our trust, not our money. One of the ways we express that, though, is through our money, through our possessions, through our time, through our talents, through our energy, through our capacity, through our whatever, whatever God has blessed us with. Because the one who believes that God is good and God loves us and that his kingdom is an eternal kingdom without end, he's glad to invest in that. He's rich towards God. But the one who thinks that this world is all there is, that, that this life is all that matters, that what I wear, what I, what I eat, what, how I look, like that's the most important thing, then that person will not freely give to anybody. Why? Because it doesn't benefit them, right? It's just about building bigger barns and accumulating their stuff so we can eat, drink, and be merry. And he says... Don't live like that. Where your heart is, there your treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. More than anything, God wants our heart. He wants a relationship with us. Now, we're going to close today. And we're not closing by taking an offering. I'm not closing by taking up a collection. We're not doing any of that. If you want to give, give by all means. That is not the point today. We're going to look at our hearts. Because 
you may give every week, but your heart is not cheerful. Your heart is not where it needs to be. You may give to all sorts of things, but you're still being disobedient to God, right? So here's some questions to think about. And maybe here's what we should do. Let's just bow our heads where we're at right now. Because this is about you and God. This is not about me. It's not about anybody around you. Here's some questions to just think about. Am I, is my heart covetous or am I content? Am I always needing more in what others have or am I content, God, with what you've blessed me with? Is my heart rich towards God or am I just building bigger barns? Is my life just about accumulating more and more for myself or am I concerned with others? Think about your heart today. Is it, is it anxious? And are those anxieties just about earthly surface things? Or are you trusting God to provide? What are you seeking? What is your heart really after? Is it about eternal things and what matters eternally? Or is it just about the right here and the right now? Are we being generous to those who are in need? Or are we being stingy, unwilling to give when there is a need? And Jesus teaches us this today, not just so that we would feel conviction. And I know I do. The point of Jesus' teaching is to lead us to a closer relationship with him. And sometimes that comes through conviction of our hearts where we've, where we've fallen short, where we've messed up, or where we've gotten our priorities out of whack. And so let me pray for us this morning that we would be quick um, to repent when we're wrong, when we've not had a generous heart towards others, when we've been anxious. Let me pray. God, I pray this morning for each one of us. God, we are so tempted to idolize and worship wealth and to idolize and worship possessions and appearance and bigger barns. God, forgive us. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to walk closer and closer to you. God, you would give us bigger and bigger faith. You would give us a heart that treasures you and is rich towards you, not just rich towards ourselves, God. Forgive us where we've made life about us and what we get out of it, God. God, only you can do this, God, but I pray that you would turn our hearts outward. God, that we would see that, that all the stuff, all the, the time and the talents and the energy and the capacities and the money that you give us is not about us. God, but it's about others, our families, our friends, our church, those in need around us, God. Organizations doing missions and organizations doing ministry all around the world, God. God, you've given, you've blessed us to be a blessing. And so I pray today that you would show us how to. God, you would give us opportunity and that we would walk in boldness and in confidence that that's what you've called us to do. God, may we as a church as a whole not be a selfish body as well. May we not make this about building our bigger barn. 
God, but may we look at all the money that you give us and may we turn that towards ministry, God, to reaching people with the gospel, God, about the kingdom, not just ourselves, God. God, forgive us where we fail you, God, when it comes to matters of money, God, where it comes to matters of worry and anxiety, God. We need you this morning. I thank you for so many examples in the room of people who are generous and have given up their lives for the sake of the kingdom. God, I thank you for so many that I can think of this morning that I've seen live that out. God, may, may that embolden us who are younger to see the old and the, and the ones who have lived a lot of life that are still giving to the kingdom, still sacrificing for the kingdom. May that encourage us today that, that maybe that's where life really is found, not in living for ourselves. So this morning, God, I just thank you for your grace towards us that you give freely. May we also do the same. We love you and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen.